TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast. The only podcast out there with a cardio for those deep water championship rounds. I am Mags, and uh, as always, I'm joined by my son, Carlos. Carlos, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. You can call me Mystic Max. I predict these things. <laughs> so, guys, we have literally just watched uh, UFC 257, McGregor versus Poirier. Uh, and, yeah, no, it went wrong with our stream. No uh, <laughs> no ESPN or BT Sports issues for us. We wink, wink. for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, Dana's definitely going to be coming at us. How the fuck have these guys got a podcast now on, <laughs> on this already when I cut the stream on purpose? Uh, but yeah, what a fucking card. Uh, for people who haven't watched it, you, yeah, just get your $70 back and find a, a legal student next time. Um, but let's quickly run through these uh, these prelims and early prelims. So we started the card with Amir Albaz again, the decision against uh, Zalgas Zumagalov in the flower division, then... We got uh, Mosvar Evalev picking up the decision against Nick Lentz. Going into the the prelims, we then got Khalil Roundtree uh, losing by decision to Marcin Parachnio. And then uh, Juliana Pena picking up the third round submission against Sarah McMahon. Uh, Brad Tavares got the decision against Antonio Carlos Jr. in the middleweights and then the featured prelim and the, the thrown together fight after the ridiculousness that happened with uh, um, uh, Otman uh, Al Zatia. Yes, you're a bellend. Yeah, so Armin Sarukian uh, picking up the decision victory against Matt Frivola. So then we go into uh, the main card. Five fights on this main card started in the women's strawweight division with a uh, uh, Marina Rodriguez taking on Amanda Rebus. Uh, Amanda Rebus coming in with a lot of heart. She's the she's the woman. If you remember recently, um, she basically speared um, Paige Van Zandt on her head, uh, and basically was the fighter that sent Paige Van Zandt out of the UFC and into bare knuckle uh, boxing. So. Yeah, this was a, a really interesting fight. I thought that uh, Rebus had the better of the first round. I thought uh, her, sh- her shots were landing a lot better. The 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 jabs and the the, the leg kicks were really working. Um, she got the a, a decent takedown and was able to control a lot on the ground. Um, not a lot of action in terms of like getting shots off, but definitely controlling uh, and and like bullying her opponent on the floor. Um, then basically going into the second round and it was a totally different fight. Uh, Ma- Ma- Marina Rodriguez landed some big, big shots and a huge knee. Uh, drops um, Rebas with a with a massive left where she just folded in half, went in and, and kind of like uh, did a, a quick flurry. But then for s- some inexplicable reason uh, Herb Dean almost fell over the two girls whilst he was trying to crane to see uh, whether Rebus was was fine and I think uh, Rodriguez saw that as, as Herb finishing the uh, waving the fight off so she gets up to celebrate um, Rebus gets back to her feet ready to fight but basically the light was on but there was nobody at home and Herb Dean looks at Marina and goes I ain't stopped the fight, knock this bitch out. So she just goes over, cracks her a couple more times and does actually finish the fight. Uh, weird ending, but a big victory for Marina Rodriguez. 
Absolutely. Obviously, the game plan coming in there for Amanda was to take uh, Marina down as soon as she could. Obviously, Marina being the more efficient striker on the feet, it's the makes more sense. Obviously, going there and take your opponent down, and that's exactly what Amanda were able to do in the first round. She was able to control that vast majority of them the first round, mm -hmm. and coming into the second, it only took less than a minute for Marina to to just come out a little bit more with that fiery energy and she were able to get a little bit more of her, her offence off and she were able to do that and obviously the finish is a bit, some people I saw on obviously on Twitter that it were a bit controversial but I'm, I was thinking, how was it controversial? Like, obviously Herb Dean, he stepped over and you could see how it could somewhat be controversial when you look at it as he stepped over him and, and did he stop the fight? No, technically he didn't stop the fight because verbally he didn't. He didn't stop yeah. the fight. He doesn't just because he touched the fighters doesn't mean that, that yeah, that's not been in the rules that says he has to touch the fighters to stop the fight. Yeah. Even on, further, on the yeah. replays, it, it wasn't even a touch. He literally looked like he was he was looking over to see uh, if he could get the the kind of like idea whether Rebas was okay and like his his body weight or his kind of centre of gravity just took him like almost over the top of the girls and I think that's what Marina has seen. And then kind of like assumed he's waved the fire off. Yeah, obviously that's what's doing. Obviously uh, English is not a first language in the <laughs> first place. So if if someone maybe in the in the audience shouted, obviously stop or the fight's over, it, it, she could have easily just. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on that in the arena, especially with fans now being back in the arena. I know it might be two thousand fans, but Jesus Christ. It's, Especially over the, the speakers of the television, you can it sounds a hell of a lot more than, mm -hmm. than two thousand fans yeah. in that arena. So it was good to hear fans back. To be fair, yeah. And as much as we've enjoyed the fighters like, uh, interacting with the commentary because they can hear them of the dead silence of the of the of the arena, it was good to hear fans back. Yeah, absolutely. Just the just the passion of the fans. Just you miss it after a while. Obviously, again, you love the fact that you could hear coaches and fighters speaking and you could hear the shots bouncing off each other's skull but you yeah you you still you want that passion back in mixed martial arts and i'm glad ufc are being the ones to open the actual sport back up in a safe way to do it yeah but um, marina obviously it were a i'd say a perfect game plan for her but in the first round it wasn't looking for her and obviously she were able to capitalize in that second round and you fight until the, the, the ref stops the, the fight and you as a fighter it doesn't stop and mm -hmm. I wouldn't like to see any any sort of negative feedback that she's getting due to that because obviously she's there to fight at the end of the day and it's, it's either the the doctor or the referee that stops the fight the, it's like Masvidal said super necessary up until the, the ref pulls you off you're, you're fighting mm -hmm. absolutely uh, so let's get into this second fight. Uh, Mahmoud Muradov taking on uh, Andrew Sanchez. Um, and a very uh, dominant display by um, uh, Mahmoud uh, Muradov. Uh, in, the, in the first round, he was easily the, the more uh, active and, and uh, efficient fighter, landing some really good shots. 
uh, Sanchez that shot in for takedowns and he, um, uh, Muradov was able to easily stuff him and, and, and kind of hit back with, with the leg kicks. Uh, going towards the end of the round, he did kind of like start throwing a little bit wild, uh, which which opened him up for some uh, counters from from Sanchez. But all in all, uh, Muradov really kind of like dominated that first round. Sanchez come out in the in the second round and 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 turned his game plan up a little bit more, landed some more shots, uh, and really kind of like made uh, Muradov question like his range, and he was he was really kind of struggling. But then he landed a, a, a knee to the groin, which uh, which gave Murdo um, a little bit of a break and was able to to basically change up his his game plan. Uh, again, he was really good with stuffing the takedowns from from Sanchez um, and. The, the the thing that really separated Muradov from Sanchez was when they when they come in from clinches and 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 stuff takedowns he was able to land shots on the way out where Sanchez wasn't. Uh, we get a little bit of back and forth at, towards the end of the 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 second where both were landing some really clean shots um, to the point where Sanchez uh, really got wobbled towards the end of the fight. But luckily he was able to hang on and get into the third round. But to be fair, it was to no avail because that third round they just came out to absolutely swing and Muradov was landing some big, big shots. That was not to say that Sanchez wasn't uh, was just getting dominated. He was landing shots of his own, um, some really good um, um, peppering jabs. Uh, and then uh, Muradov was able to land an uppercut and body shots, and then he was just able to land a flying knee, which huge uh, Carlos said was almost like in slow motion the way he landed it. Um, it, it that staggered um, uh, Sanchez, and, and Muradov was able to just uh, uh, put him up against the fence, and, and uh, in comes uh, Jason Herzog to wear the fight off, and uh, Muradov picked up the, the third round uh, TKO. Absolutely, you couldn't argue with the stoppage. He, even though he was on his feet, he was taking a hell of a lot of punishment. And uh, Muradov was the better boxer in my eyes. He was the more clean and technical boxer, especially in the striking department. And yes, even though they was both throwing a hell of a lot and it looked a bit wild swingy at certain times, Sanchez looked like to be getting the one who was the later on into the rounds, into going into the second and the third, seemed to be getting more gassed and losing energy. Whereas Muradov seemed to be being smart with it and keeping it not not putting it all out there on the line straight away basically like spacing it out in a way of when to attack and when to when to just basically put put the foot on the brake and when to take it off so he was able to actually get the the finish in the end and you can see that Sanchez knew that 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 fight he, he, he would be he had no he had no objection to the referee stopping the fight he he was, I think he was just more concerned about actually being able to get his breath back without getting worried about getting punched in the face. And mm-hmm. it's, somewhat, it's somewhat horrible to see like that, but somewhat in a way not not common because Sanchez has always been one of these who's always been up and down, two wins, one loss, yep. one win, two losses, but and, and so on and so on. He's never been one of these who's always been consistent, but obviously Muradov now, he debuted in the, uh, in the UFC... Oh, right, 2000, 2009, 2000, uh, two, yeah, well, this is, this, 2019. Yeah, this was his first fight back uh, since 2019. He's uh, suffered with uh, quite a few like, setbacks, but he, he's now 3-0 in the UFC. So that's it. He's, um, like I said, when he debuted in 2019, he went on 
uh, a two fight win streak, got injured and come back and people had the doubts about him in this fight because it was like he's got injured, is he going to come back to Sanchez who's, who in a lot of people's opinion now he's octagon ready because he's had a lot of experience now in the UFC. I think yeah, he, he, fact. That's it, he made his debut back in 2016 so that's a lot of time in the UFC and a lot of years to be in that sort of in that sort of organisation. So it's in a way, in a way, it can be good for you to be there for that long. But also, in a way, you somewhat can have a target on your back because you have these young and up and comers thinking, "Oh, you've been in the UFC a long time. I've got a good win over you." <laughs> that can somewhat rocket my name up. And Muradov seems like he's doing that in the middleweight middleweight division now. Going on forward from him, obviously he's got a lot of learning to do because that middleweight division is stacked to the brim with phenomenal fighters and not just phenomenal fighters, people who can hit very, very hard. So that's the sort of thing he's got to look forward to. And I know it's, it's, it's one of them things, it's like, oh, well done, they're going to go to hospital. It's, no, it's, it's one of them, but it, it's one step closer for him to get up them rankings. But then, in a way, you're only getting harder and harder. Mm -hmm. But then, you're in the UFC. If you wasn't expecting that, then I don't know why you would be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, straight into the middle of this main event, and we've got uh, Scotland's own Joanne Calderwood yeah. taking on uh, Jessica R. And this was uh, a career-making performance, I thought, from Joanna Col uh, Joanne Calderwood. Really, really um, dominant uh, decision victory. Um, for me, the, the the three rounds were were incredibly similar in terms of uh, how the game plan went. Um, Calderwood was able to keep uh, Jessica at range with uh, the 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 lengthy jabs and and the the mix up of the kicks to the body and to the head. Um, when Jessica was able to get in close and get the clinch, she landed some really good shots. But on the way out of the clinch, the the difference maker was that uh, Joanne Calderwood was able to land shots where Jessica wasn't, and that really kind of upped her uh, her output. Um, the the other thing that really kind of stood out for me in this part for for Joanne is that she did so well to avoid the takedown. I think if she'd have got tucked down uh, to the ground and and controlled on the ground, it would have been a totally different fight. She would have really struggled against uh, Jessica R. But in in this in this match, she was able to avoid that and land the head kicks, which were just really brutal. The body kicks, the oblique kicks, which kept uh, Jessica from being able to shoot in. And she really stuck to that that uh, that game plan, and and it served her so so well. The the there were a couple of times where she um, she kind of tried to break out of that game plan. I remember in the second round, she went for a spinning elbow, and Jessica was able to to almost secure the takedown, uh, basically pinning uh, Calderwood to the fence. But all in all, I thought that this was a brilliant uh, kind of uh, controlled performance by Jessica, uh, by uh, Joanne Calderwood, really able to um, to keep um, uh, Jessica frustrated by not allowing her to, to play, uh, play her own game and, and keeping her at bay with the, with the body kicks. And, and the, the sprawl at the end kind of rubber-stamped it for me, the, the way she was able to... Uh, to basically tell Joe, uh, Jessica R, look, 
I've got, I've got your number in this file and there's nothing you can do that's really going to harm me and she got the unanimous decision to judges giving her all three rounds um, a, a classy display by Joanne Calderwood absolutely a good game plan obviously the game plan for uh, Joanna Calderwood was to go in there and somewhat in a way survive because you've got Jessica Hart who is good on the feet but then also is phenomenal with her wrestling and Joanne Calderwood is not an easy woman to take down as we saw tonight the, obviously the stats speak for themselves the reason why Jessica lost the fight and you can say on when he was watching the fight you can see where it was so tight in some areas and obviously like you already said um, Calderwood on the way out was just landing shots clean leg kicks, oblique kicks, body kicks, knees, uppercuts, jabs every single time she went she was moving in and out there was always something to back it up it's not like she was just moving out and staying there and not throwing anything she was always being on the attack even when she was being defensive so that was very impressive on her part and especially when you've got someone like Jessica who's always wanting to, to take you down if you're throwing them uppercuts in there throwing them at weird angles it always makes the wrestler double thinking away about taking you down because when you're the wrestler and your opponent is a bit worried about you taking them down they somewhat drop the guard and then it actually ends up being your opponent the one who's getting punched in the face because they're more worried about you taking them down whereas now the the wrestler in a way is going oh shit she's using that uppercut a lot and when our level change i'm getting it snozz with that mm -hmm. so how, how do i do that and most wrestlers end up going into the clinch and that's exactly what jessica Hart was doing because she wasn't able to do get the takedown, I think she got one out of four or five attempts. Now Calderwood got one out of three attempts, obviously that's where she won in that department, just because she had less takedown attempts, that's the only reason why, even though they both got one for one, just because Jessica tried for more and failed, so that the, the stats are obviously higher. I think Jessica's around 20 odd and Calderwood's around 30 odd, so that's the only reason why them, them point difference make up the numbers on the judges' scorecard. And Calderwood she were able to just execute the game plan that she had was able to if you got to the ground get back up to her feet if she was in the clinch position still worked don't make it look like you're just staying there and and playing possum in a way and mm -hmm. even in the the third round when calderwood went for that uh, spinning back uh, attack even though she didn't get it and she ended up compromising herself and actually being on the ground for the best part of 30 seconds Jessica Hart, in my opinion, even though I wasn't the judge, but I do believe this is what the judges were looking at, in my opinion, she wasn't doing anything in that 30 seconds. Yes, just because Jessica Hart was in control, Calderwood was actually throwing a lot of attacks whilst off her back. She was just hooked and amethyst, just going like there was no tomorrow, just farting like she needed to actually get out of there. And saying she was actually doing more of the work in that last 30 seconds and Jessica did. Now, to uh, obviously, I, I want to say an untrained eye in a way, but into some Jessica extent. the untrained eye. Well, <laughs> yeah, Jessica the untrained eye. You, uh, a lot of people look at that and go, oh, she's winning there because she's on top. And that's not necessarily the case. And no. the judges could look at that going, right, Calderwood's been the more aggressor. She's controlled the fight from near enough start to finish. Yes, there's been times where it's been a bit, oh, could that be ours? But 
more majority it's been in the, the favour of Calderwood and she was able to just follow through and keep with the same pressure as she did in the first and she did with the third and that really helped her out because I, I think that startled Jessica I don't think she had it in her head that this pressure was going to be able to continue for three rounds especially in the heat of Dubai mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so let's talk about the the two fights that we everyone got this card for Michael Chandler, wow. former Bellator champion, someone who's always been on the list of uh, best fighters outside of the UFC. Uh, it's never quite gone right for him to uh, to uh, come to to UFC, even when like his contracts have been up with Bellator. It's just the timing has not been right. Thirty-four year year old coming into the company. What a, what a heart train and uh, getting one of the hardest fighters in that division straight away with uh, Dan Hooker. We we talk often about kind of um, uh, the 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 nerves of coming into UFC. There's always them them uh, first fight jitters. We've seen it with uh, with the likes of uh, Will Brooks. We've seen it with the likes of uh, Justin Gaethje. We've seen it, it's a real thing. People come to them. They don't understand how big of a difference it is from fighting the likes of Bellator which is the second biggest company in, in, in the world the step up to UFC is, a, is it's levels it's as simple as that and you either thrive or you wilt and Michael Chandler fucking thrived Jesus. this guy he, he, you could see how happy he was that he finally made it to the big dance uh, and no one would have give, batted an eyelid if Dan Hooker didn't just absolutely put him away but that just wasn't the case. Uh, started off with uh, Chandler really wanting to take this fight straight to Hooker, uh, controlling the centre of the octagon. Uh, in, in fact, within about 30 seconds, he was actually getting really frustrated because Hooker just did not want to engage. And we were getting Michael Chandler, who were, he was just dropping his hands and saying, what's going on? Are we having a fight here or not? Uh, we eventually get a, a, a few kind of uh, teasing kicks from Hooker. We get uh, Michael Chandler landing uh, a couple of shots to the the body, the back and forth a little bit uh, with uh, with uh, the punches and the kicks. But then we get uh, a, a body punch by Michael Chandler, which just knocks the absolute wind out of uh, out of Dan Hooker, and then he follows it up with a bomb of a left hook, and you just see Dan Hooker's laugh leaving his body. Uh, absolutely just um, just drops him to the floor uh, basically jumps on him uh, pounds his face in with a, at least a dozen right hands before <laughs> before Mark Goddard comes in and stops it that's how you make a statement that's how you come into a company on your debut and throw your hat in the ring for for this, this really tied up lightweight division um, Michael Hooker uh, Michael Chandler Michael Hooker Michael Chandler is he's got to be in that conversation now surely to god surprise surprise there's a new king in that lightweight division <laughs> simple as that that man is not lying he not only can fucking sell a fart that man can put on a fart a lot of people didn't know him a lot of people just thought it was a heart trade a lot of people just thought he's coming in here as the next big thing and dan hooker's gonna put his lights out and my god was a lot of people wrong if you didn't watch him in bellator you certainly, God, was was missing uh, a born and bred fighter. Obviously, the second guard to be coming out of the state of... Uh... What's the easiest choice you can make? 
window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, we'll fucking leave that because I forgot that name. But, yeah, the second guy to come out of where Ben Askren came out from, phenomenal wrestler, absolute phenomenal wrestler. And I wasn't wrong. I was not wrong. I said that he was not going to be able to take Dan Hooker down. And I was I was not wrong. Yeah, he, he didn't even try and take Dan Hooker down. He didn't down. need to. He fucking knocked him, he knocked him Spun his out. Job. Simple as that. The reason he's... The, no wonder he's called Iron Mark for no reason. His head movement were on point, and Jesus Christ, he has got some... Power now, Khabib. If you were watching him for a long time, no wonder you retired, mate. No wonder you probably don't want to fight him. But if you, if he is looking at getting to thirty and all, he must be praying that Jesus Christ, not against Chandler. If Chandler were able to do that against Dan Hooker, and Dan Hooker is one a hell of a fucking fighter. He can take a punch and he can give a punch. He's he's been he's been in the UFC and been around the block. For a lifetime, he's yeah. He may not have been a, a UFC world champion or a UFC interim champion, but that guy's got balls of steel, and he will fight anybody from anywhere. Get the, I've said it so many times on this podcast. Guys coming out of that city kickboxing do not fuck about. And yes, fair enough. It may have got knocked out. It may be maybe sound me stupid now saying people coming out of uh, a city kickboxing, but Jesus Christ, that just makes. I just want you to understand how. Good, that makes Chandler look. The fact is he was able to do that to Dan Hooker in the first round when we had Conor McGregor saying he was going to finish it in 60 seconds and he was able to go out there and finish it in the first without no shit talking like that. And what 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 can he say to this guy next? Yeah, fair enough, you come in. He's definitely going to take that. I wouldn't say he takes... Um, I wouldn't say he takes... Uh, Hook a spot, but I'd say he takes a spot up there. Yeah, perhaps number five spot. Per, I mean, we were talking of all the kind of like possibilities uh, uh, for this division, um, and it, it all did like kind of uh, depend on on not only this fight but the fight we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, for me, you've got to look at the top four firefighters in that division and say you you need a tournament now to crown. To crown, I mean, you've got Charles Oliveira in the form of his life, a guy who's uh, been in the UFC for so long and, and never was able to reach the heights. He's killing motherfuckers. You've got Justin Gates who can beat anybody on his day. You've got, uh, well, we'll talk about the winner of the, the, the next fight in a second, but then now you've got uh, Michael uh, Chandler throwing his, his name in, in the ring. 
you not only just throwing his you've name got, in there, selling his name in there. You've got four fighters there that you could put in a in like a eliminators and say winner and winner takes on um, takes takes on the either the champion if if Habib wants to stick around or it's for the title. I totally agree with you. I say chuck the top ten. Doesn't even matter who's in the who's in the top. I just do believe that because that top five is just a row of killers and there's yeah. no point in having that belt floating about. Just throw that top ten in a full in literally just in a full tournament and do it that way. Last guy is the is the champion and that's it. And I don't think the and now don't be wrong, I respect Khabib. I, I, I like Khabib. I love the way he farts. I love the way he carries himself in the sport, in the octagon and outside the octagon. But do not speak bullshit. Simple as that. You say you don't want to hold up a division. You say you don't want to be one of these other guys. Well, guess what? You are one of these other guys. You're saying you're retiring. You're saying don't make me do things I don't want to do. Don't make me do things that's going to disrespect my mum. Give up the belt then. If you're retired, fair enough. Well done. You, you've you gone 29 and all. You you're literally are one of the goats. You're one of the greatest. Give up that belt and, and pass it on to the, the, the next champion in the in the UFC lightweight division. Yeah. Don't hold the don't don't be the next don't be the next Conor McGregor at what you was what you was calling him for. I don't think that that's I honestly don't think that that's a lot of uh Habib's doing. I think that's Dana's doing. I think uh Dana knows he's got uh, a money making fight with well knows he had a money making fight with Connor versus Habib too, knows that that's gonna make absolute uh, gangbusters and he wanted, uh, he, he's basically keeping um, Habib as interested as possible. Look at look at all the the the, the sing, song and dance he, he performed about. There'd be an announcement on on uh, ABC, and the announcement was, "Yeah, we're waiting and see." I think he's trained so hard to to get uh, Habib to backtrack when it's Habib who, who's like, "Yeah, I'm." I'd need a reason to keep fighting. I think if it was up to Habib, he would have dropped. He would have uh, packed that title off by now. That's it. It could possibly be the case, but does Khabib he's, he's seeming to get on a bit on the bigger side now and seeming to enjoying basically taking. I know it's a bit too early to say like, but it seems like he's enjoying taking that the role of what his father had, especially mm-hmm. being. This sort of well, with the, with in the, the head of the team. Yeah, the Eagle Gym, the uh, the some more of his uh, his family and cousins being signed for UFC. Um, the fact that he he could be an ambassador for the company in Russia, which is a a massively expanding the market. Fact he's got it. his own promotion now. Yeah. That's hopefully going to be on the UFC fight packs. Yeah. He's, he's he's got too much stuff to. He's one of the like I, I always go on about it about some fighters who are lucky enough to. Have got something that can go on about a fight, whether it being coaching or opening up their own academy or just doing little certain things. And Khabib is one of them special characters that has got so many things he can do and so many choices. Where fighting's just same like McGregor, money is not an issue when it comes to them. You can say to them, "We'll give you ten mil, we can give you twenty mil, we can give you thirty mil." Odds are, yes, they might take it, but it's not because they are taking it for the money. Because these guys have got that sort of money, they can get that sort of money on a, on a daily basis, so that's, I think Khabib is obviously, he's got, he's got more leeway obviously with being 29 and all, being the guy he is, fighting the guys he's, he's fought and beating the guys he has, he's definitely got more leeway but he's definitely got to look at it and go in, right, 
do I just give the belt, retire, take myself out of the pool, or do I just come out and, and fight the next potential fighter, which hopefully could be the, the next fight we're going to be speaking about. So let's go on to that. Uh... The main event where so many uh, fans come out of the woodwork and pretend that they've been USC fans for such a long time. So many kind of plastic analysts. I mean, that's not us blowing our own trumpet at all. We, we're just fans like everybody else. But the amount of people who I've seen come out uh, who are massive Conor McGregor fans mm. rather than uh, actual USC fans. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, but the thing is, you need characters like that to, to bring uh, sports like MMA to the masses, and, and it absolutely worked. But let's get into the fight. Um, if you remember, and if you, and if you want to go back into the archives, we covered the first fight recently with a, a couple of special guests. Um, and Carlos made uh, some comments in, in re-watching that fight about how Dustin... Uh, how there was a game plan there and a, and a, a kind of a blueprint for beating Connor, and it absolutely came true. And I uh, should have fucking put a bet on it and I didn't. <laughs> I'm fucking fuming. Yeah, so basically, Con uh, Carlos said the the weak point that Connor had was was taking out that front leg with calf kicks, and that's exactly what um, what. Um, Dustin was able to do a lot in this first round, uh, landing a lot of those carkings, and you could see the the redness and the the swelling come up pretty pretty quickly. Uh, Connor was able to kind of like battle through it for for a, the majority of the first round. It was only like near the end of it you could see that he was really struggling to to feel that leg. And and the thing when you're such a, a dynamic striker like Connor is. Your legs are so important that you you need to be able to kind of uh, especially yeah, like yeah you need to be able to plant it to get to to generate that power, but in the first round McGregor uh, landed the better shots he he rocked uh, Poirier um, quite quite uh, hard in in the middle of the of the the round and whilst he was able to kind of like. Uh, shaking off, there was you could tell, uh, or a seasoned uh, watcher of, of uh, Dustin's game could tell he was not uh, fully recovered because he was a lot wilder. He's, he wasn't as as crisp and clean as he normally is. Uh, you could tell it took him quite a long time for him to shake those cobwebs out. Um, Connor just did really well in controlling against the cage. Um, about. Um, able to land land those kind of shoulder shots which uh got fired back to him uh, very brutally by by Dustin. You could tell they were really kind of like chatting shit to each other in in, in uh in the clinches. But the first round was was very much a, a Connor victory for me. Uh it just hit the harder uh, harder shots uh but that that leg would come into to being a factor in the second round. Uh, McGregor again started like landing, uh, started absorbing more shots on that on that leg, and it was really really affecting him to the point where he was then focusing on trying to catch the leg uh, rather than take the shot. And and this worked for a little while. He was able to to uh, kind of uh, use that. Uh, catching the leg to to uh, pin uh, Dustin up against uh, the cage. And he was able to land a lot of shots, but then um, a couple of uh, massive um, lefts really kind of hurt Connor. You could, and you could see that he was rocked, and Poirier could tell that he was rocked. He'd really recovered from that first round uh, and really up, up, upped his uh, output. 
uh, landed a, a, a great uh, a right, floored McGregor, uh, and, and much like the uh, the Chandler fight, uh, Poirier just pounced and absolutely put McGregor out clean. Uh, Dustin Poirier gets his victory back from six years ago, and and what it really stands out to me is is the the uh, after fight interviews, uh, and Connor said it best himself. The issue was he was inactive for so long and Dustin got comfortable in that octagon because he's fought higher level opponents each time and he was able to improve over that that um, that uh, loss over Connor, really kind of step up his game to being one of the very best fighters in the world where Connor has come in and he's almost been an exhibition fighter. Uh, taking on the fights with the likes of Nate Diaz at weights he wasn't really uh, known for, taking on the Floyd Mayweather fight, coming back after so long out and, and taking out uh, uh, Cowboy in such short fight. He hasn't had the the octagon time and Dustin has put in those minutes and and it really, really showed. And, and Connor, as, as much as we kind of like to bash on him because of his cocky attitude, after the fight, he was humble in defeat, and he realised that he the issue was he hadn't uh, he hadn't fought enough, and he said that he, he wants to to kind of up that game. For me, I wouldn't. I'd say that any kind of more losses are definitely going to tarnish his legacy. This guy's making more money selling whiskey and clothes than he's ever made in MMA. Concentrate on that. That's that's your bread and butter selling. And now I think the the lightweight division has moved has moved on past Conor McGregor. Um, he's not the specialist fighter that he once was. I think. Yeah, I don't think he's. Obviously, it's not going to be the last we see of him. He's definitely going to fight again, whether that be for now. This is Conor McGregor we're talking about, and this is the UFC. We're not speaking about uh, a sport like boxing or WWE or football or something where it's the next big thing is just around the corner because money-wise it's not the next big thing is still unfortunately for the other fighters but still fortunately for the UFC is Conor McGregor and doesn't matter where you place him there's still going to be a lot of casual fans out there as a lot of people like to call them who will pay to watch Conor McGregor, uh, Conor McGregor fight um, and it's as simple as that so Win, lose or draw, there's always going to be people there to watch Conor McGregor. But it always makes you wonder that, why I'm always right. Because <laughs> I was right on... <laughs> I had to put that out there. But I was right, as simple as that, I was, I was right. That's the way to beat Conor McGregor. No one has took out that front leg properly before. No one has tried to take out that front leg properly before because everyone's always been scared of getting hit with that uppercut, getting hit with that left hand. And after when Dustin opened up in the first round and he was like, I'm going to have to get fucking hit. And he opened himself up. And yes, I believe he did get hurt. Could have been playing possum, possibly in the first round, a couple of times. Could have been playing a bit, oh, look at me, I'm wobbling, coming to me. And then whilst you do it, I'm going to kick your leg. Could have been, that could have been. But he definitely went for this fucking game plan that he was going to do in the first part. And definitely in the first part, it was, definitely in the first part, it was leg kicks and hooks. And that's exactly what we saw in this part. Leg kicks and hooks. In, McGregor got caught early in the first round with uh, a beautiful left hook and near enough got put down 
foot down there and luckily enough he didn't and that first round was all on him. He looked like oh gee, he looked like Jesus Christ, Conor McGregor is gonna do his thing again. Right, well that's it unfortunately. Sorry Poirier, but your time's your time's not now and it looks like he's gonna beat you and Dustin just turned that around for the better and them leg kicks he, he got to the point where he didn't even have to throw them all. The last two or three leg kicks he threw were just tapping, just to basically tell McGregor, like, he's still hurting you, isn't it? Like, yeah, there you go. I'll, t I'll, t I'll show you why he's still hurting you. And mm -hmm. As soon as you take that away from McGregor, he can no longer throw his capoeira kicks. He can no longer throw the powerful front, front peak kicks to the body, what he absolutely loves, because he did that against Chad Mendes to break him down. And he can no longer get them powerful shots off. Because if you can't put your pressure on your front leg, you can't get any power behind your left hand. And if he can't do that, and that's what McGregor always does. McGregor always has a tendency to overextend. And that's because he waits for his opponent to come in. Just, that, just like a lion or a tiger or anything like that does. He'll just wait for his opponent to, to get all the prey, to just get in close enough range just so they can strike and, and <laughs> touch him. They don't have to hurt him, but so they can strike and touch him. And McGregor's always been one of them to to always shoot as soon as you get into as soon as you get into into the space where he's able to touch him. He were able to do that against Dustin, but Dustin were able to capitalise his time. Dustin were able to the, the ten pounds definitely helped. The, the carrying the extra ten pounds definitely helped Justin being able to absorb McGregor's shots because as well, McGregor was 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 weighing in an extra ten pounds more than what they last for, which again is going to equivalent to a power, but b it's also going to put strain on his body because ten pound fighting wise is a lot of weight when you're carrying it around in the octagon, yeah. especially when you're going into the later rounds against someone like Dustin Poirier in his last five fights. He's had brutal wars, and it's not like they've been quick fights like McGregor. He was humble enough to say he was inactive inactivity throughout the throughout the year and throughout the, the previous year before that. The 40 seconds against Donald was not enough. Fair enough, a win's a win, but the 40 seconds was not enough. He didn't have enough time and Poirier's been ripping it up ever since. And I want to say that I love the fact that Poirier won. I don't, but I like the fact that he he won. It makes it one for one now. He's, there's always going to be that selling point there for him and Connor and always... And it's always good for a fight to fight Conor McGregor. It's a payday for him. No matter who you yeah. are, it's a, you fight Conor McGregor, you're going to get paid. And the fact is that Nate, he's got that fight in in somewhere down the line, possibly that could happen. And now Dustin, because he, he, he's, he's just setting his own that that fight possibly be there with Conor McGregor, who's the actual better fighter. Is it Conor? Is it Dustin? You, you've always That question's always going to be there. Five years ago when they first fought it with Conor, they've both evolved. He, he, now it's Dustin. Two years more down the line, it's the fight again. You know, who's going to be the best fighter then? And it's in this sport, you never know. Like we're saying, you've got fighters who can go on streaks like Khabib, undefeated. You can go on fights like um, who's the one we were just speaking about earlier? It was literally going on up and down street. Uh, Sanchez. Sanchez. That's it. Now, I don't know. I'll think of Ricky Simone then. But he's the same though. Yeah, well, yeah, even say that like, when you're on an up and down streak, and I believe it's, it, can somewhat, it, it can somewhat go that way for McGregor, but hopefully, hopefully Dustin, he, he can somewhat see that light at the end of the tunnel. He's been in the UFC for a long time now. 
He's he's fought his arse off for the best. He's now he's he's beat some of the best, and the only person to beat him is obviously recently is Khabib, and obviously Khabib's retired now. And how can you say no to him and Chandler for that belt, especially with the way that they've both finished Dan Hooker and Conor McGregor? That is two opponents that are hard opponents who can take a punch and who are well known. And Michael Chandler's come in in his debut, and Dustin Poirier's come to take the revenge that he's long waited for. Mm. How can you tell them to no? I think there's two other fighters though that that could probably say no. We deserve it as well in uh, Gaethje and uh, Charles Oliveira. So yeah, but you could also say that. But then I, I'd love the fact again that this is why the tournament makes so much sense because you've always like mm-hmm. you were saying the tournament it does make so much sense because you've always got that energy of going yeah. Charles Oliveira is an absolute animal, but he be Tony who was already somewhat on a losing way and then you've got Gaethje some people could say oh well, well he doesn't deserve a shot because he already had a shot last he already had a shot and then he's just not long got beat off Khabib and then obviously so he, the, he, the the tournament makes sense in every single way you speak about it and I think you're hearing it from Mystic Mac I think there's going to be a tournament for that belt yeah and for me I I would keep Poirier and uh, Chandler apart because I'd, I'd honestly go with Poirier taking on uh, Oliveira um, and Chandler versus Gaethje. I think they're the better fights, and then you get uh, the 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 chance for Poirier against uh, Chandler for either the belt or for the the right to take on Habib if he decides to come back. And you also keep Conor active if he wants to be, and you put that Nate Diaz rematch back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think if Connor does fight again, he, he's gonna be um, ex, like special exhibition fights. Um, I think his time at the top of the lightweight division may be over. Yeah, I don't think he because he don't want to tarnish his record. Like fair, he, fair enough, once he's finished, he wants to be able to look at his record and go, "That's a decent record." But I, he don't want to yeah, look at it. Yeah, but he also needs to be a left at the right time. But that's the in the, especially in. Like, he's got that much money where people say, oh, why, you've got them and you've got this, you've got that. Yeah, it's fair enough, but then he's just, it just goes to show that the struggles of being a full-time professional fighter once you've been doing it for so long that it just, for some reason, and I can't explain it yet, hopefully in 10 years, 20 years' time, I might be able to explain it, but when I've spoke to fighters who have been in the game for that long, they find it hard to say no, or find mm-hmm. it hard to... To somewhat stay out of it, they, yeah, a couple of years at the best they before they get that itch and first that they need to get back in the gym, they need to get back into competing, they need to get back into fighting. And sometimes it's not even just about earning money; it's just it's just about that need to fight, that yeah. need to be able to feel. In and it feels it sounds weird because you're locked in a cage, but for some people, it makes them feel free. Yeah, it's the, it's the the thrill of the fight. You get it's you get addicted to it. I think. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a McGregor versus Poirier two in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> so there's no UFC event next week, but uh, lucky for for us, the UFC provided two events over the past seven days, and one we've kept uh, in our pocket for for next week. 
Chiesa versus Magnusol, Carlos and I'll be re-watching that and going over it. And then after that, we're in uh, quite a long streak of uh, events uh, for, for Dana, who said it, that uh, 2021 is not going to be as hectic as, uh, as uh, 2020 was. We've got four massive events in a row and then uh, some huge fights that are coming up in March. So definitely keep your ears peeled and uh, you know, uh, keep it, um, your eyes locked on the, the five rounds feed for for that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all we've got time for uh, today, guys. So you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos. Follow the, the podcast at Five Rounds Pod. Uh, make sure you go and uh, follow the, the networks as well. Visionaries Global Media, uh, Chair Shot Radio and Shooting the Sports Ish. Check out Carlos's uh, interviews on, on the Shooting the Sports Ish uh, YouTube and um, Podbean because the guy's been putting in some real work and, and doing really well with, with, with those. Uh, got a, a massive, massive one coming up in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely, uh, I much appreciate it. And hopefully, uh, it's a uh, not the first uh, big name that Carlos will be uh, speaking with. So, yeah, definitely uh, keep um, checking out Carlos's content. Uh, but, yeah, that is, that's basically it, guys. Uh, and that is the end. Dana, stop ripping your fans off. Give them a decent stream. Especially when you're charging them the best part of $100, you prick. Adios, amigos. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.